Because all this year, the Lord has emphasized in my heart and before this congregation the importance of the Father's table. And this, by the grace of God, will be our last time at this table this year. And I ask the Lord to help me to help me to deliver to you a word that will help you understand how significant it is so that you leave nothing on the table that belongs to you. All the people said amen. And so I share with you this, this morning and thank you all of you that are joining us online. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. In the Old Testament, there's more said about David than any single character in the scripture. He is hailed as more words given to him than any single person. The Lord, our Lord Jesus, entitles himself son of David. To study David's life is to really get a glimpse of the Father's heart. I want to share this portion with you. May you understand it. May you get it. May you receive in the name of Jesus. And chapter 9 and verse 1 reads this way. Then David said, is there, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba and they called to him and they called him to David and, and, and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God. Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is a cripple in both feet. So king, the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he's in the house of Machir, Machir the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and bought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of David, pardon me, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here is your servant. And David said to him, do not fear for I will surely 
show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and I will restore you I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul and you shall eat at my table regularly and the people of God said amen this is an incredible story one that has so much detail that I won't even try to give it all to you. So if you would forgive me for, for giving you the Reader's Digest version. It is an amazing story, one of the most amazing stories in the scripture. If you've never read it, you've missed out. Reading it, you, your eyes, your heart will melt. For here we have David, after all his enemies are destroyed, after years and years of running, hiding, finally God has given him peace and now he's, he's able to ascend to the throne that God promised him years ago when the prophet came and prophesied to him and poured oil on his head. And now the peace has come and he's in, he's in the authority. He does the unthinkable. You should know that when one king sits on a throne, the one that is abdicated, the one, has, the one who has been dethroned is generally killed with all of his house and all of his servants. So there would be no opposition. It's actually worse than what happens when the throne in America changes from Obama to Trump. Nobody's laughing, okay. Now from Trump to Biden, the old regime is fired, depowered. So it is in the days of kings and even more so no one was left alive, particularly of the bloodline, because the bloodline could always rise up and say, I have the right to this throne. There's nothing worse than contention over the throne. Kings understood that. So they eliminated it. First, first rule of business. David does the unthinkable. He sounds out, you know, in the, if, you, if you've never understood the, the reign of a king, it may be difficult to understand this. But when a king opens his mouth, everything he says shall be done by the servants that love him and obey him. His word is life or death. Is anybody left of the house of Saul? I can just think about what David was, what his, David's men were thinking. Yeah, if it's somebody left, I'll take care of him, David. And of course, rightfully so, when you understand how long Saul tried to kill him. You have to read the story, you understand how weighty what I'm saying is. It's amazing that David would say, is anybody left from his house? And how did they interpret it? Yeah, I wish you, I wish you, I wish you, you know, Cedric the Entertainer, one of them. 
All David's mighty men, I can see him go for their sword. Who's alive? Who's still alive that I ain't killed? So he calls for a servant, Ziba. Is there anybody left in the house? Of, is there anyone? Is there not anyone left in the house of, 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 of Saul? And Ziba, I imagine, if, you notice what Ziba says when David says, are you Ziba? And then Z, notice how Ziba answered. Did you see that? I am your servant. <laughs> Don't kill me, I'm on your side. Are you there? Is there anybody left from Saul's house? And Ziba said, yeah, there's somebody left. His name is Mephibosheth. And he's lame from his childhood. That story, you should check that out. Because when the house of Saul was pillaged and the destruction came and Saul and Jonathan died on the battlefield, everybody got the news in Saul's house. They started grabbing clothes, grabbing bags. We got to get out of here because we're dead if we don't. The maid was running, tried to drag Mephibosheth by the hands. He fell, pam, he fell down. And when he fell down, he broke, he, he broke his, his feet and he became lame in his feet. Wasn't no way to heal him, wasn't no way to set him, wasn't no way to get it straight. So he had to live with those broken, those injured feet. Now, non-functional. Lord have mercy. When you read on the story, you'll see that when, by the time David, David actually finds Mephibosheth, he's in horrible, horrible condition. He had never been given, he had not been cared for, had not been shaved, feet had not been, Lord have mercy. But Ziba said, yes, Mephibosheth is left. He summoned for Mephibosheth, and I can imagine what David's men were thinking when they found Mephibosheth in Lodabar, in that city, found where they were hiding, because you know they were hiding. They dragged, you can imagine when they heard the horses coming. But it's over. But at the word of the king, he said, bring him here and say, kill him. I didn't, and by the way, if you read about David's story, you better listen to what he says. Because if you did opposite of what he said, or if you did more than what he said, you're in trouble. You're probably dead. In fact, David did get rid of some people. In fact, David killed the man that ran and told him, oh, David, oh, David, your enemy's dead. Saul is dead. He said, somebody come here and bring me a sword and cut this man's head off. That he thinks I'm happy at this news. enemy but he saw was God's anointed how would I how would I rejoice over his death then on you coming here and tell me and, and jumping up and dancing like you know finally finally you, you, you're not blessing me shut his mouth up for good that's the kind of man David was by the time they dragged my people chef in can you imagine he can't walk they drag him in the Bible says he prostrated himself. Jesus. He on his face. I suspect that Mephibosheth says in his heart, I'm dead. And he's going to pull me out and show everybody in the nation that there's nobody left from the house of Saul. So look at the text for a second. Are you still breathing there? <laughs> he prostrated himself 
David said. First thing he says, I'm in verse 7. What does he say, saints? Don't be scared. Don't fear. I will surely show you kindness. This word kindness is not, is not the best translation. Because if you look into it, it's a word that has, is actually it's magnificent grace. It's much better, much fuller, much more, much more expansive than what we would use. We just say being kind to somebody. Being kind could be just nod and say hello, hello. No, 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 no. I'm gonna spill on you. But people should just probably thinking, what? I'm gonna show you kindness. For the sake of your father, I will restore all the land of Saul to you. Lift your hand out there if you understand that God is about to restore to many of you the inheritance that you lost. You never could get your hands on it. But in 22, God's going to open that up and restore to you what God promised that your parents should have got. You should get it. If you believe it, comprehend him and believe him for it. And, and bless him and thank him for it. And, and don't stop thanking him for it because we're going to see it happen. Hallelujah. And so we see David says, I will restore to you all the lands of your grandfather Saul. And you shall eat at my And so Ziba, I, I wanna, I'm going to continue this story later on because it's so rich. But I, I hope it will suffice to say today, when David says, I want to show you kindness, I want to give you covenant love, is what he's saying. Why? For the sake of your dad. Many of you don't know the backstory, so I'll give it to you real quick. If you, if, 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 if you could read the backstory, God sent Samuel the prophet, this was years ago, to anoint David to be the next king after Saul. Saul has got good enough sense to know if the prophet anoints somebody else to be king, he is done. So what does Saul do? Many, many folks do. Folks been doing it in the governorship and in many offices across the nation. They want to get rid of everybody who wants to get rid of them. They want to stay on that throne. They want to stay in that position. So Saul goes ape after David. Are you there? Summons armies after him he himself gets on the horse himself to go and destroy David because Saul sees David as Lord have mercy as the king who will displace him so if I displace David I will remain and who I want as Saul would think and say who I want to be king will be my son Jonathan not David are you still tracking with me it's part of what makes this so incredibly awesome. 
Saul tried to kill him and, and <laughs> Saul already had a son who was going to be king of course he didn't want David to ascend to the throne and displace his son now Jonathan of course and I'm giving you a quick Reader's Digest version wouldn't have wouldn't have Saul wouldn't had even more he would have an even more incentive to kill David than his father did because Jonathan was next up he would have at least at least banished David from even even coming into the even coming into the country because his father was going to be <laughs> because his father was going to be gone when David was king but he was the rightful heir he was the one who was supposed to be the king but David and Jonathan became friends this is extremely important when you understand in those days and the last person you're going to be friends with is the guy who's going to take my place. But if you read on, you'll see that Jonathan saw the anointing on David. And the Bible says Jonathan loved him and David loved him. And, and just to get it straight and get it clear, there's no sexuality in this love at all. You cannot find that in the scripture. You have to try to fabricate it yourself. As, and many are trying to do that as, as a theological foundation for their love, a man's love for another man sexually. I want to mention it because I want you to check it out and see. There, look at the background. There's no mention at all of any of that. But he loved him like his own soul. It's filio not eros filio is brotherly love eros is sexual are you all breathing okay i just wanted to throw that in i couldn't really had to throw it in there a little bit so david david and jonathan oh they would die for each other you know, I do feel kind of bad for, for most of the body of Christ today because very few people find a friend that they would sacrifice himself for. So they never know that kind of love. In fact, one of the greatest things we suffer right now in the body of Christ is a lack of this covenantal love. We are so selfish and so self-protective that we don't even think that God would put a love in our heart for our brother and our sister in such a manner that we would sacrifice ourselves. Jesus said, no greater love than this and a man has that he would, come on, lay down his life for. That's what Jonathan and David had. You still with me? Jonathan, of course, he had the most incentive to kill David, but he didn't because he loved him. And Jonathan perceived God's anointing on David and David David in 1 Samuel, you can write it down, 18, 19, and 20, they make a covenant of friendship together. The covenant goes something like this. My life for your life, your life for mine. If it takes my life to protect your life, I will offer my life for you. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. 
We don't know about this kind of friendship, bro. This kind of relationship where, where I'm yours, you're mine. That's all it is too. That we just, it just, we just got that connection. You're my brother. You ain't heavy. <laughs> we need it. God granted. God granted back in the body of Christ. So, we got a problem now. Because Jonathan is sitting between a rock and a hard place. Of course. So Jonathan swears his love and loyalty to David. I will protect you, David. Here's Jonathan. I will protect you from my father. What? There's a natural covenant between fathers and sons. But Jonathan said, I will protect you because I know where my father's heart is. I know where his heart is. And, and, and I will protect you from him, even if it means my life. You got to read that story to get those details. I can't tell all. We'd be in another hour. And, 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 and your rear can't stand another hour, so I, I'm, I'm going to move right on. I will protect you from my father, even though I'm still going to try. I'm going to try all I can to be loyal to my dad. As loyal as I possibly can, I'm going to protect you from my father who is trying to kill you. He takes, so Jonathan takes off his robe and he takes off his sword and he gives them to David. My shield for you, my sword for you, my covering, my protection for you. Man, that's some deep stuff right there. And they meant it those days. They meant that day. Today, we got these retail relationships. You don't like the product, we just get that back. I'm going to go buy from somebody else. You, you good, you good, we good. As long as I get from you what I want. If I can't get what I want, I'm out. By the way, this is the opposite of marriage. Jonathan and David were not married sexually, intimately. No, they were not. But they were connected in heart and in life and in vision and in purpose. They were connected to the point where they realized, Jonathan, it's amazing when Jonathan realized his position and his purpose. I'm going to protect you, David. God's given me a position to protect you. Now listen to me. Here's Jonathan protecting David, who is to be the next king of Israel. So David had a bigger vision even than his daddy did. His daddy had a vision that only protected his position. But Jonathan had a vision that was, a, was, was international. David under, Jonathan understood, when I protect David, I protect the future of Israel. That's the backstory. David tries to come home and, 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 and Saul is in one of his rages. That spirit would come on him and he, he would want to murder David. Well, it was so bad one day, they were sitting at the table. David was in the house, David was playing the harp. And Saul picks up his spear. That, that thing came on him, picked up his spear. He tried to pin him against the wall. And David ran for his life and David still loved him 
David, cut your head off if you talk about him bad. Lord have mercy. Jonathan went out one day knowing his father had not changed his mind and he shot an arrow to, to let David know, don't come back. Keep running. My father is not repentant. Well, the short of the story. Jonathan, in an attempt to stay loyal to his father, In staying loyal to his father, at the same time, tried to and did save David's life from his father. Jonathan was struck down eventually with his father in battle. Here's what this means. David had a friend who loved him covenantally. David had a friend who put himself in harm's way to take David out of harm's way. A friend who lost his throne so David could ascend to the throne. What a friend. David had a friend like that and so do you. David could, David could love Mephibosheth David could risk his life to love Mephibosheth because of what Jonathan had done for him. Why was it a risk of life? Because if you let Mephibosheth live, anybody who was, who was, who was, who was uh, uh, connected to, or had sentiment for Saul could plot with Mephibosheth. Where would Mephibosheth be? At the very table where David was sitting where the food was, access to him at any moment and point in time. David, you put your life in danger, man. You gonna let that man live and sit at your table regularly? Give him land, all the land his daddy had. Give him servants. You can't work the land, your feet bad. They gonna be your feet. Read it, I'm serious. David said, you don't, have to worry about, you don't have to worry about anything. Why? Because I promised your father. You're, this is not because you're good, Mephibosheth. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Not because you're benevolent. Not, not because you're full of integrity. It's not because you're a hard worker. It's not because you're smart. It's because your daddy, I made a promise. And I love him and I will not take it back. Our, our covenant was that we would honor. See, when you're in covenant with somebody, if I'm in covenant with you, that means I'm in covenant with you, your husband, your kids, all them, the grandkids, all them bad ones. I'm in covenant with all them. Amen. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> David said, but people said, you, you can get up. Um, this table right here is now your table. Here's your place, here's your seat. Here's your plaque right here. It's where you sit. All the privileges and rights of this table are now yours. All the protection. All the servants that test the food before it ever comes to the table to be sure that there ain't nothing in the food to hurt nobody. You protect it too. So even my own peeps, if they, if they don't like you, they can't do nothing because they've got to put something in your food. So I know if you die of something, somebody, somebody going to die. You understand? 
Okay, got to hurry. You're taking up time. That, that's the back way. David could afford to risk, he could afford to risk his life by honoring and being kind and gracious to Mephibosheth because of his father, because somebody was kind to him. Are you there, saints? God can love you and God can receive you even though he has the right to smite you. God can bring you into his presence and adopt you and empower you for the sake of your friend, Jesus. God the Father is saying, God's like David. God is saying to you, here's your place. Here's everything you would have had. It's all restored and protected. It's been waiting for you. Why? Not because you're so good, but because my son, Lord Jesus, because of what he did for you, what I promised my son, I promised my son, anybody come in his name, their mind. So we talk about the table of the Lord. This has been prepared for you because of the blood of the Son and the flesh of the Son. And those of you that eat, he said, if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you, 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 you have your I'm in you. He said, we eat this meal in faith because we belong to him. And when you belong to him, this table, <laughs> the Father chooses all your enemies or his enemies make sure that your enemy is not God or anything that stands against God you come to this table all the rights are yours I have so much more I want to say about this but I won't I resist it I want you to pray because, you know, you, you, you know it, it could be that maybe you need to be prostrating yourself because you know you deserve, you know what you deserve. But Phoebosheth wasn't trying to fool himself. Wherever he was powerless, David made him powerful. Wherever you are powerless, by our faith in Christ and by relationship with the Father, He makes you powerful. Whatever you need. He said, my, my God shall supply. Come on, how many? Look at your neighbor he, and tell him he didn't say some. We come to this table and we eat of his, this bread and we drink of this cup, which is his body and his flesh because we are, we are in relationship. God the Father has, has adopted us. You know, in Roman law, this word adoption, when you adopt somebody in Roman law, if you adopt somebody into your family, it's not your blood, but you go through the process of adopting them, you cannot unadopt them. I feel like I want you to stand. 
I feel like I want you to get on your face at your chair. Because some of you have not acted like you're related to God. That place, that open seat, has been there for you the whole time. And God is expecting you to act like you're his. In the same way that David expected Mephibosheth to act like you're in my family, you're of my house, you are my brother, you are my blood, you are my kind, you are my kin. And everybody that's akin to me, according to David, is protected and provided for. We've come to this table for a whole year now and I wonder how many of you have walked away from this table only to act like, you know, Mephibosheth was ashamed. He was hiding because he knew he deserved death. He's running away. He didn't want anybody to know where he was. He's living in object poverty. That place Lodabar, that, that wasteland. Yeah, he was living there. I want you to talk to God because there are things that you, you've not acted like a son and a daughter that you need to decide today. I'm done with that. I'm finished hiding and running. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, my Lord, my King, my God. My life is yours. Whatever you want, I am your servant. Lord, like Mephibosheth said to David, I am your servant. While David is saying, you're like my son. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. If we would be as the scripture says, if you will cleanse yourself from these things, then we will receive the promises. Father, I thank you. I thank you. My attitude has not been like a son. My appetites have been, not been like your son. Give myself, Lord, that you would make me inside your son, your daughter. I keep getting the information, Lord, but now I need, I need to conform. Thank you for the power to conform to the information so that I might receive the transformation. I bless you. I thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your mighty grace, your magnificent grace, your bountiful grace in my life. Your provision, your protection, your providence, your care. And today, Lord, I thank you that I'm leaving the old place of complacency. I'm leaving the place 
of ambiguity. Am I a son or am I not? I'm leaving that place. I'm walking away from one thing in the building and another thing outside. I'm lifting my head. I'm screwing my shoulders because I am your son. I am your daughter. I receive, Lord, my assignment. My desire is to be pleasing to you in all things. Grant it, I pray. Cleanse me from ways that offend you. Let these things be in the name of Jesus. And all the body of Christ said, Amen. Amen. I know that many 